This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. With a bachelor's degree in mathematics. He also graduated from Rama Bible Training Center in Nagpur, India, as well as Rama Correspondence Bible School, Tulsa, Oklahoma, USA. He was ordained by Pastor and Mrs. Kenneth W. Hagen and is credentialed with Rama Ministerial Association International USA. He additionally successfully completed the senior management program of Lagos Business School, Pan Atlantic University, Nigeria. He currently serves in Rama Nigeria Training Center, Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria, as the national director with campuses in Abuja, the national headquarters, Port Harcourt, Kaduna, and making plans for further expansion in the country. And that would include Lagos, right here, right now, where we are. Hallelujah. Um, Reverend Tokes has been actively working in the ministry for over 34 years. He has helped pioneer works, pastored, served in administrative roles, and he also now itinerates both nationally and internationally. He preaches and teaches God's word with passionate fervor, especially on the subjects of faith and healing. He's also very strong on following, following and flowing with the Holy Spirit. Brother Tokes, as he's fondly called, is happily married to Dr. Akuna, right here. And they have three lovely children, Zoe, Sophia, and Victor. They are based in Abuja, Nigeria. Rama Bible Training Center Taster Session, what we're having here today, is a great opportunity for you to experience a typical Rama class and atmosphere of love, faith, and the move of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you join me in welcoming, welcoming Reverend Tokumbo Adejuwa as he comes up and he takes us on the subject of the authority of the believer. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's please be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you for once again another opportunity for us to mingle our voices together in prayer, in praise, in adoration for your loving kindnesses and your tender mercies that are forever ours. Thank you most of all for the great plan of redemption which you planned and sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to consummate. Thank you for your word that brings us a revelation of that plan. We approach your word humbly and reverently this morning. We trust that by your spirit, you'll open it up to our spirits. And we won't just be hearers of the word alone, but we'll be doers of the same as well. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're looking at the believer's authority, the authority of the believer. Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read from verse 16 through to 23. From verse 16 to 23. Now this is Paul writing inspired by the Holy Spirit to the saints at Ephesus. And if it was good enough for those in Ephesus, believe me, it's good for those in Lagos. It said, I cease not to give thanks. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that feeleth all in all. Well, sometimes it works a little uh, better if I can see people's eyes. You won't mind me coming down, will you? Praise God. Amen. Well, don't bother. You could leave, you could leave it there. It's okay. Praise God. So, Paul was praying for these saints in Ephesus. And um, these are prayers that were given by the Spirit of God. Because we know all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, the Spirit of God evidently wanted the church at Ephesus to have revelation knowledge of certain truths. Now, one thing is that there's a whole lot about the authority of the believer that we find in the book of Ephesians, a whole lot. And I'll encourage each of us to do a study of that book, particularly the first three chapters. We'll discover that at the end of the first chapter, as well as at the end of the third chapter, there are these prayers that Paul prayed, like the one we just read. And um, the thing about these prayers is this. It'll do us a world of good to pray those prayers, those same prayers for ourselves. Now, we know there are different kinds of prayers in the Bible, about nine different kinds of prayer. And all the different kinds of prayer go by different rules. Now, there's a prayer of faith. In a prayer of faith, you don't ask for the same thing two times. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So you pray and believe you receive the moment you pray. So if you believe you receive, you're not going to ask for the same thing again. But you see, that's not the only kind of prayer that there is. There's also a prayer of supplication. Now, these particular prayers are prayers of supplication. And like Paul said, he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul evidently prayed those prayers again and again and again and again and again for the saints at Ephesus. And um, I'll encourage each of us, pray these same prayers for yourself and stay with it. Amen. You notice in that first chapter, there were three things he wanted them to know. First was the hope of his calling. Second, the riches of the glory of God's inheritance and the saints. And third, the exceeding greatness of God's power that's at work towards every believer. Now, God wants us to have revelation knowledge of these truths. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He's the one who authored scriptures and he's the one who can teach it. You see, just the mental head knowledge of the word of God won't cut it. We need the revelation of it in our spirit. And that happens as the Spirit of God opens it up to us. And if one way that Paul sought to it that these saints were able to get that was by praying for them, believe me, if you pray the same prayers for yourself, you'll get the same results. At this time in my life, uh, in the late 80s, 
that I began to pray these prayers for myself. There was one particular year, every single day, at least six times, you know, I will just pray these prayers. Ephesians 1 from 16 to 23. Ephesians 3 from 14 to 21. Then there's uh, some other ones in Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And then in Philippians 1, 9 to 11. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. I'll just pray them for myself. And then where he says you, I will insert my name. For instance, I'll pray like this. I cease not to give thanks for me. Make him mention of myself in prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened. That I may know what's the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what his exceeding greatness of his power. To us who do believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Then in chapter 3, from 14 to 21, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant me according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that I might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto you, O God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to your power that's at work in us, unto you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And I go to Philippians 1, from 9 to 11, and I pray, Father, I ask that my love will abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that I may approve the things that are excellent, that I may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Then I go to Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Father, it's my desire, my prayer, that you fill me with the knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that I might walk worthy of you unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, who has made me able, and so I partake of my inheritance as a saint in light. I'm delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of your dear Son, in whom I have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12, Father, I ask that you count me worthy of this calling wherewith I'm called, and that you fulfill in me the good pleasure of your goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in me and I in him, according to the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I'll say, Father, I pray these prayers in line with your word in the name of Jesus. And then I'll give it some time and, I'll, and then I'll go there again. And I'll pray it again and again and again. Like I said, they are prayers of supplication. So it doesn't hurt praying them repeatedly. And you see, just praying them and not studying the Bible won't do you much good. While you're praying these prayers, take some time to meditate in the word. What the Spirit of God will use to bring knowledge, revelation knowledge to us is God's word. So if you don't spend any time in that word, then he has nothing to use. Praise God. I remember 
in the late 80s, 1989, 90, truth came to my spirit in such a way that I almost had to wonder, where have I been all this while? Now, my first exposure to the faith message was in December of 1982 when I read um, three books by Pastor Hagen. Incidentally, the person who introduced me to the faith message happens to be Kenneth W. Hagen, Pastor Hagen. It was his books I read first. And then um, the next year, October 9, 1983, Sunday, about 15 minutes to 12 noon, I got saved. And then after I got saved, I just felt a nudge in my heart to follow after Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And, and I learned early to listen to my spirit and obey it. And um, so I'd been a Christian for some years, about six, seven years by this time, 1989, 90. But you see, and I'd been preaching all the while, but truth came to my spirit in such a way that it felt like, what did I know? What in the world was I preaching? My God, you see, and you will have the same experience too. Because the Holy Spirit will open up God's word to our spirits. Now, of course, we ought to study. But you see, praying these prayers will do us a world of good. Sometimes we want to pray for fellow Christians. And then we pray, oh God, bless so and so. Truth of the matter is some of those prayers just do a little more than salve our consciences. You know, that we did pray. You know, the, honestly, God has already blessed every believer with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But the believer needs to know the blessings that are his. Amen. So a scriptural way to pray for a believer, a New Testament believer, is to pray these prayers. You know, there's some prayers in the Old Testament that are not relevant today. Prayer, uh, we'll read how David prayed, God contend with those who contend against me. Let them eat their own flesh. Let them drink their own blood. That's in the Bible. But let me tell you something, we are not in that covenant. Amen. You see, the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And the Bible is progressive revelation. Are you listening to me? In the old covenant, none of those guys was born again. Their spirits were dead. The love of God wasn't in their hearts. And that's why the Old Testament, the law was, it was a matter of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You break my leg, I break yours. You, you hurt me, I hurt you. You know, do me, I do you. God won't vex. You know, that was the old covenant for you. But you see, Jesus said to them, he said, you have heard it has been said by them of old time. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. He said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now that's Matthew 5, 43 and 44. So you see, praying certain prayers today may not be that applicable. You read how the prince of Persia withstood the angel that was coming with the answer to Daniel. And some Christians today think that they can pray and some demons in the heavenlies are disturbing their prayer. You want to kick them in the butt and ask them what's wrong with them. What, what have they been feeding on? Listen to me. Someone told me one time, he said, I prayed and it felt like my prayer didn't even pass the roof. It doesn't have to pass the roof. God lives in you. Are you listening to me? Listen. In the old covenant... We don't read of one single time where anybody exercised authority over the devil. Jesus was the first person that came and exercised dominion over him. You see, originally Adam was the God of this world. Amen. God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. And he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, everything that moveth upon the earth. In one sense of the word, Adam originally was the God of this world. He called the shots. His word was law. 
In Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? It says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and with honor. Now, the word for angels there happens to be the Hebrew word Elohim. And Elohim is a word used for God in the first five chapters of the Bible. In actual fact, God made man a little lower than himself. Higher than any angel. Higher than any other creature. He was next to God. He was master. He ruled. He reigned. That was the place of authority that God gave him. And then he also had fellowship with God. God told him, of all the trees in the garden you may freely eat. A tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. The day you eat of it, you will die. The literal Hebrew actually says, in dying you will die. In dying spiritually, you will die physically if you do that. Well, Adam did the unthinkable. Eve was deceived, but not Adam. Adam knew what he was doing. He acted in the light of knowledge. He knew. He knew the consequence of everything, you know, he was going to do. Now we're told in Romans 6, verse 16, that know ye not that to whom yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. You see, the moment that Adam bowed the knee to God's arch enemy, his own arch enemy, then Satan became his master. I was once told a story about a certain man, very wealthy, had so much property, and um, just before the man died, he put his will in place, and then after his burial and all, his lawyer came and read the will. And at the reading of the will, everybody was shocked. Because this man had only one son. He had several servants, but he had one chief servant. He willed every single thing he had to the chief servant. And everybody was stunned. But there was a clause in the will that said his son is allowed to pick just one thing out of the things he has. You know, and then some people came up with all kinds of theories, conspiracy theories. Oh, his wife must have played an away match. And then he knew, you know, and didn't do anything about it and just waited. This is payday. And he wanted to show them. Some other folks said, ah, maybe the man is mean and he felt like I walked to earn my money. You go and work and earn yours too. You know, all kinds of ideas. And you know, people can come up with theories. And then they will say, they will talk as if the man told them themselves. Themselves. Amen. Well, the son, he heard that. He said, okay. He's willed everything to his servant. He said, I can choose only one thing. All right, I choose the servant. Because if he owns the servant, and the servant owns everything, the moment the servant becomes mine, then everything the servant has is mine. And if I like, I boot the servant out of everything he has. You see, that's what happened to Adam. What God gave Adam really wasn't ownership of the earth. God was the owner, is the owner, will always be the owner. What God gave to Adam was dominion over his creation. It was dominion. And that dominion had a lease to it, had a time span to it. Amen. So you see, Adam had that authority. Adam had that dominion. And, um, you know, the Bible says Eve gave to her husband with her. I wonder what he was doing with her. He shouldn't have shut up. He should have told the devil, stop that nonsense. Told his wife, stop listening to him. He, he's an enemy. And he should have banished the dude out of the planet. You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to doing is just seeing Adam and saying, Adam, but why? Why did you do this to us? Well, through one man's sin, death came into the world. And so death by sin. And so death passed upon all men in that all have sinned. Romans 5.12. So the moment that happened, Satan became the God of this world. Amen. It took control of everything. Remember in Jesus' temptations. 
You know, we see them in Matthew 4 as well as in Luke 4. In Luke chapter 4 from verse 5 to 8, one of the things the devil did to Jesus was showing the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then he said to him, he said, all this power is delivered to me. Now the Greek word used there was exousia. Exousia is not power, it's authority. So what Satan said is that all this authority is delivered to me. And to whomsoever I like, I give it. He now said to Jesus, if you fall down and worship me, all will be yours. Now, some people have said the devil was just being the liar that he is when he said that. Let me tell you something. Yes, the devil is a liar. But you see, that one wasn't a lie. The devil did have that authority. And he still does. Amen. In a sense. And I'll explain. But you say, how? How? Where? How? I thought God is in control of everything. You know, sometimes, you know, we Christians, we're talking and we say, God is in control. Listen, God is not in control. Depending on how you mean that. If you mean God has self-control, that he's in control of himself. Yes, he's in control. If you mean God is in control, that, you know, he's the one controlling everything that is happening. You got another thought coming. God is not in control of what's happening on the earth. Who's in control? The devil is. Who made the devil be in control? Adam did. The Bible says that the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So, the, Adam turned over his dominion to the devil. Did he have a legal right to do what he did? He did. Did he have a moral right to do what he did? He didn't. But you see, the transaction nonetheless was legal, and God honored it. Are you listening? That's how Satan became the god of this world. And the moment he did, his reign of tyranny began. Now, for something to be a temptation, there has to be a bait and there has to be a hook. If, you know, someone is saying, put your hand inside fire. No, nobody. I've never met anybody who was ever tempted to put their hand inside fire. Because there's, there's no pleasure there. But you see, when you talk about the temptation, there is something that's pleasurable. And at the same time, you are disobeying God. So there's something you are being offered to do something that's not right. Now, if the devil had nothing to offer Jesus, and the devil was just trying to get him to do something not right, then it wasn't a temptation. But the Bible calls it a temptation. Now, if the devil did not have that authority, Jesus would have known so. And Jesus would have told him, no, that's a lie. You don't have that authority to give. But Jesus did not contest Satan's claims. Instead, what Jesus said is, thou shalt serve, worship the Lord thy God, him only shall thou serve. Yes, the devil has that dominion, and it's because Adam gave it to him. But the good news is this. Adam was only the first Adam. There was a second Adam, who happens to also be the last Adam, who did something about that situation. And that's why we're studying this course today. So you see, pray those prayers for yourself, those Ephesians prayers. Pray them for other believers, you know, that they will have revelation knowledge of who we are in Christ, of our authority as believers. You know, in this part of the world where you hear so much about ancestral curses, where you hear so much about the firstborn needing to be redeemed, where you hear so much of that stuff, you know, and all of that stuff is just baloney. You know what I mean, baloney? I mean hogwash. You know what I mean, hogwash? Tom, you know, Bosch and Tommy Rot. You know what I mean by that? Arrant nonsense. If you'll find it in the Bible at all in Revelation chapter 23. Now, you know the book of Revelations ends with chapter 22. I mean, it's not there. Are you listening to me? It's just not there. It's just not there. It's just not there. You know, there's ancestral cause pursuing me. Ancestral cause pursuing me. Where is it coming from? I thought, therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, 
If there could be the ancestral curse, believe me, there's the ancestral blessing. And listen, the Bible says, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. You're a seed of Abraham. And as a seed of Abraham, you're a heir according to that promise. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. I'm not saying ancestral curses don't exist. But I'm saying for the man who is in Christ. The moment you got born again, you were delivered from the authority of darkness. And you were translated into the kingdom of the son of God's love. And there are no curses there. There's redemption there. There's victory there. There's liberty there. There are blessings there. That's what's there. Not curses. Are you listening? So we need to know some of these things and know them real good. And know them real good. And know them real good. Someone told me one time. He said, look, all that believer's authority thing that Kenneth Hagin is teaching. That's America. Hey, their own witches there. Their own witches, they make aeroplane. See our own witches? They fly in the daytime. They fly in the nighttime. They fly in the afternoon. Ah, there will be somebody who just doesn't like your face and will blow powder. You know? Ah, they will come and lace charm. Charm on a seat for you and all that. I've heard that, that stuff. But let me tell you something. First, God's word is the same. It doesn't, it's not uh, uh, specific to any location. And it's eternal. The truth of the Bible is the truth of the Bible. Besides, I'm a son of the soil. Are you listening? You see, all those things you want to talk about, I can tell you about them. Witches that fly, yeah, I've seen them. I've seen people come to, I've had my food poisoned before. You say, what did you do? I ate it first. And I called the person that poisoned it. I said, you put something in that food. Person said, yeah. I said, don't do those things next time, yeah? It's not everybody those things walk on. So I'm not tell, telling you theory. Hey, man, I've had somebody, you know, somebody told me one time, he said he can do something and if you cut him, it's going to be a day, she. I said, it depends on who does the cutting. I said, I will cut you and you will be cut. And if I use something that is big, it will be fatal. I said, but you know, it's where there's no ground that people argue who can beat who. I said, let's do a simple experiment. We got a blade, just a razor blade, tiger, brand new. He did his stuff in a bottle of water, actually a glass of water. You know, put some alligator pepper in his mouth. He called some stuff, some incantations, spat it into the cup, drank it up. And then they began cutting him. And you know what happened? Nothing. It was just white. Just cleared up. You think those things don't exist? Listen, you got another thought coming. They do exist. They do exist. There's a former governor in this country who was billed for surgery in the operating theater in UCH. My mom told me this story herself because she was senior matron in charge of the theaters. She got home and told me what had happened. I won't tell you what state it is in case he's your uncle. <laughs> but the will, the man there, he had a growth they were trying to remove. Gave him anesthesia. You know, it was time to cut him. He couldn't cut. So they had to wait for the anesthesia to wear out. When it wore out, they said to him, he said, sir, we need to cut you. Whatever you did that makes you uncuttable, please undo it, even if it is only temporarily. That's a real life fact. It happened. So these things do happen. After the man did that stuff also that day, I told them, I said, bring the, the blade. They gave me the blade. You know, just under my breath, you know, 
you see, authority is not about shouting. There's a difference between inspiration and perspiration. Are you listening? When you know who you are in Christ, it's not shouting, it's not shaking your head, it's not jumping, it's not all that. Amen. And I didn't go to prayer and fast for one week because of that. You know, if the devil challenges you and you're having to go and pray and fast about it, I feel like you should go and pray and fast for your ignorance, actually. Amen. What you need is a, a fast, a word fast to know who you are in Christ. Now, am I saying we shouldn't pray? We should pray. But don't pray about the devil so that the devil shouldn't get you. If you're praying that the devil shouldn't get you, he has you. He has you. That's the truth. That's the truth. Amen. I just said under my breath, you foul spirits, I command you to desist in your maneuvers and stop in your pressures in Jesus' name. Now, because I knew what was going to happen, I made sure I was gentle. Just made a gentle incision. And then we saw one thing that was red. Uh, and it wasn't black currant. <laughs> you know what it was? It was blood. You know, it wasn't my blood. It was his own. And he looked at me and said, you knew something I didn't know. Yeah, I said, I did. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Quod erat demonstradum. You know what that is? Q-E-D. He saw it. We have authority as believers in Christ. And we need to know it. It's not a function of being called to the ministry. There are ministers that the devil is rubbing their face in the grindstone. Are you listening? It's not a function of, uh, of um, you know, the church you attend. Regardless of the church you attend, it doesn't matter. We still, there's still an enemy arrayed against all of us. It's a function of knowing who we are in Christ. Are you listening? So let's get to study these truths. Authority already belongs to us. It is ours already. But you know, what belongs to you that you don't know won't do you any good? The moment you got born again and came into Christ, we inherited the legal right to use the name of Jesus at that very instance. Every believer has the same right to that name. I used to hear Kenneth Hagin. The man will say he hasn't had a headache. You know, I heard it. I think the first time I heard him say it, it was like 50-something years. And then 55 years. And then 60 years. And then 65 years. And then 70 years, a man did not have a headache. And I told myself, I said, well, God did not give them the real righteousness in America. And when he got to Africa, the real one had finished. So he gave us the fake. God did not give them the real right to the name of Jesus. You know, and when he came to Nigeria, you know, because as, per, as in, as for, you know, this being, then maybe something happened along the line. No. You see, God's word will work for anybody who will act on it. And God is no respecter of persons. Amen. His word will always work. If we would dare to act on it. Every believer has a legal right to the use of that name. But you know what you have. But you don't know about will not do you any good. That's why Hosea 4.6. God said my people are destroyed. Notice he didn't say the devil's people. He said his people. God's people. Yes it applied for his people in the old covenant. But listen it also applies for his people in the new covenant. So my people are destroyed because of the lack of knowledge. In Isaiah 5.13. Said, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So you see, it's knowledge of the truth that sets us free. And I'm not talking about head knowledge here. I'm talking about revelation knowledge. And what we're trying to do in this taste course, this is a class we actually take believers' authority in 24 hours. We have two 12-hour courses. And now we have just um, about four sessions, 
You know, to do something, we teach in 24 hours. So, believe me, I'm not going to tell you all that we teach about believer's authority. But this is a taster. Just so we get some snippets of those truths. Now, there are people here who are already conversant with these truths. Who know these things? Now, one thing I always tell our folks, our alumni, look, Rhema is not it. Are you listening to me? It's Jesus who is it. You see, where my knowledge of God's word ends is where someone else's knowledge starts. Thank God for Rhema. But you see, where our knowledge in Rhema ends is where somebody else's perhaps starts. So it's not like, yes, we have come to straighten everybody's theology out. Yes, we have come so that we'll tell them what the truth is. No, 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 no. That's not why we're here. That's not what this is all about. There are people who are already walking in the truths of God's word. We've just come alongside local churches here just to help strengthen the churches, help get believers trained, ministers trained, so that we can be equipped to do the work of God. Praise God. One thing that we're strong about is about building bridges. Amen. Building bridges. Walking in love. Discerning the Lord's body. We're very strong about that. Amen. And uh, having good and godly associations with the entire body of Christ. One of the things the Lord said to Brother Higgin, he said, I want you to minister to the whole body. And that's why he stopped having certain meetings. We're going to do his meetings a little differently because sometimes this group is prejudiced against that group and that group is prejudiced against the other group. And sometimes if we're not careful, we're all trying to build our empire. Amen. But you see, thank God for God's own empire, God's own kingdom. Amen. And more and more people are kingdom-minded in these days. And I don't mind telling you the church is in our finest hour. We're not going under. Amen. We're going over. You know, some people, the only way they see the body of Christ is all they see is all the negativism, all the junk. And yes, there's a lot of junk happening. But let me tell you something. We better learn to stay on the side that keeps faith. Listen, more people are getting saved now than it has ever happened on this earth. More people are getting healed now than ever in the history of humanity. More miracles are taking place. More churches are being birthed. Praise God. So we're going to stay on that side. Amen. And keep putting out the truths of the word of God. Well, it's time for a break. And um, what is the break for? We usually take breaks. I know some of us could just go on and on and on and on and on. And teach on and on and on and on and on. But For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.